Good morning. Going ahead and starting out with a little cush. I'm behind the camera so you can see this beautiful sunrise this morning. Some great news this week. Illinois decided to legalize or begin the process of legalization. They want to implement it by January 2020. And New York, there was good news and bad news. It wasn't legalized, so bad news there. But it was decriminalized, or the push was made to decriminalize in a bill, so small victories, better than before. And it got me to thinking of this wonderful wake and bake that we really are making strides in legalization. And now that legalization is coming hard and fast, there are 11 states now that have legalized recreational pot. There are many that are looking to or on the way to New York being among them. New Jersey is looking to a couple of Midwestern states. And now that we are moving into that space, we're sort of getting into the area of when is the federal government going to legalize? The District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., is already legalized. And this past week, the House also voted and made a move to basically say that the federal government would no longer interfere in any local marijuana laws or would subscribe to them, which is one of the biggest stances that they've taken so far and one of the furthest, most progressive, most expansive to making the federal government hands-off in relation to how pot is regulated. So, in that vein, it's more important than ever that we have these conversations that the podcast is circulating around, but also on starting to come to some baseline consensus on what the legal age for kids, kids, people to smoke pot should be. When should it be alright for kids to be given cannabis products? There are plenty of kids who desperately need cannabis products for anti-seizure and anti-convulsive properties, but what is the line for that, and are there detriments that we have to balance out? Now, in that particular case, as an anti-convulsant, it's very clear, I think, when kids' lives are on the line and they literally would not be alive without it, or in terms of uh, helping to treat the effects of chemotherapy, something that's very present and very real. But, questions to ask. Also, what are we going to do with the hundreds of thousands of people in every state that are in jail because of non-violent marijuana offenses. How are we going to start reviewing all of those cases? Is it going to be like San Francisco, where they built a computer program 
to look for specific criteria and just do an auto release? Are we going to have specific departments to review all of these cases on a state-by-state -state basis or a city-by-city -city basis? Uh, are we going to expunge these records? What are you going to do for someone who is arrested with marijuana possession but also on other charges at the same time? You know, these are questions to ask. How are we going to regulate pot? Should there be a cap on the amount of THC that you can put in pot? I mean, these are all heavy questions that we really haven't figured out yet. Are we going to offer benefits to minority groups in terms of the business opportunities for cannabis like many states are doing? Dealing out 20%, 30% plus of the number of licenses open to people who qualify as a minority because minority populations and poor populations have been so disproportionately targeted for the enforcement of cannabis laws in the past. I've been saying marijuana. You know what I mean, but better not to use the word marijuana. Since everything is changing, we may as well switch over to some better terminology as well. Uh, where was I? I was talking about cannabis laws. Oh, people getting licenses. Yeah, to sort of balance those scales justice-wise to try and create opportunity for people that the opportunity was not only denied, but taken from in some sense. Uh, and if we are giving out those specific licenses, how long do they exist? Should they exist the same amount of time as prohibition? Should they exist longer, shorter? What's the time frame that we're talking about? These are all important questions, and as we talk about them, I think that it's important to remember that we're not making these decisions for all of time we can come back to these conversations and reassess and change our ideas if we decide that a legal age of 18 is what we want right now and in 10 years new research comes out we can decide you know what we need to make the legal age for pot or cannabis 22 that's a correct and a safe age for people to be smoking pot. If we decide right now that tax revenue from cannabis sales should be 13%, 15%, maybe in the future we lower that down so the cannabis industry isn't so disproportionately taxed down to 6% or 7% like it is in a lot of states rather than this literally double standard on sales. Now that it's starting to get legalized in states, there's the cultivation of it. What sort of pesticides should be allowed? It's much looser with cannabis grown in the United States than it is in Canada, whereas you have hundreds of options here. In Canada, you only have six options. 
they very clearly laid out which pesticides you could use because if you dose pot in an herbicide or a pesticide, that's going to eventually make its way into somebody's lungs. Now, that herbicide or pesticide may not be harmful, you know, when smoked because combustion takes care of it or, you know, disintegrates it before it hurts people. I don't know what the specific cases of pesticides and herbicides are, but it seems like if we're putting a certain type of poison on pot, we should figure out whether or not that's going to be harming people. Because there's no stage of cultivating flour, at least, for pot, dried cannabis. There's no step from picking it, pruning it, to when people smoke it where it gets washed or it gets removed that would actually be terrible there's not a washing stage to some degree you're getting the exact plant that came off of the vine well came off of the stalk came off of the stem if you know they're doing their job right came straight off of that to you because all they did was dry it package it important things to keep in mind but at the end of the day they are successes congrats to Illinois for not quite making it legal but getting 90% of the way there and New York will be waiting later this year or next uh, voting session or whatever it is so that you can make it legal I know that MedMen uh, Enterprises, the company, was really, you know, hoping New York was going to legalize. They bought a building in Manhattan for probably an obscene amount of money. I think I remember the figure being something like, oh, I want to say it was like $13 million. They bought like the floor to somewhere. If you don't know MedMen, they're sort of uh, they've been called the apple of cannabis stocks, which is a weird comparison, mostly just because people think that the dispensaries look like apple stores in terms of design and character, you know, flat lines, lots of light, very smooth, lots of glass. But they bought a whole premise in Manhattan in New York City because they thought it was going to be legalized soon and they're investing all this money into that specific location. But if it's not getting legalized, that really puts a damper on how much money you're going to be able to make with this major dispensary investment. Because I believe they own 90 dispensaries now with one of their recent acquisitions. And they're really pushing... Uh, owning dispensaries as a big part of their business. So all of these companies trying to get into the cannabis space, it's really dangerous for them right now. And so risky because, wait a second, car going by. Everybody's starting to wake up now that it's 5.20 a.m. Where was I?
I'll finish up now that things are sort of coming alive, but, uh, yeah, companies don't know what these timelines are, so although you can go to Colorado, California, uh, Washington, Oregon, you know, go to these states where things have been legalized and start to feel a little bit safer and have a little bit more infrastructure, companies that are trying to move into the U.S. market as a whole or trying to set themselves up to be that, you know, it still could be 5, 10, 15 years before things are legalized at the federal level. It could be a long time. We just don't know. And one of the ways that companies are doing is getting into the hemp uh, industry, buying up hemp farms and starting to produce CBD products, and just basically be in the mindset of, all right, as soon as the switch happens, we're here. We have all of the facilities, we have all of the infrastructure. All we have to do is simply switch it over, which is a pretty good idea, I think. I think that's an entirely reasonable idea just so long as the costs are low enough so that they justify having all of these properties and all of these investments in the first place. And, yeah, just some legalization news. Two states at one time, plus the house, so I thought I'd touch on it a little bit. Um, I hope you all are having a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed a little something-something with your wake-and-bake. A nice kush like me, or, since it's first thing in the morning, a nice hybrid sativa wedding cake. Get a buzz going, first thing. Be like, yes, Friday morning, don't have work today. I'm gonna clean. <laughs> well, remember, there's no can't in cannabis. You've been listening to the Canacast podcast. Make sure you subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anything you could think of for podcasts, we're on. And if we're not, let us know. Tweet us at the Canacast. And if you'd like to support us, check out our Patreon. We really appreciate it, and that's how we've gonna we're hoping to keep things running from week to week. Check back in Monday for episode one.